live from inside the TARDIS. It's our second annual Doctor Who Watch Rewatch Awards, uh, which may or may not canonically be known as the Blinkies, um, if you've been following <laughs> along with our other uh, other feed. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if we've uh, made that official. We'll find out tonight. I, Hi, I, say, we, I say we keep going with it. What's that? I say we keep going with it. I like it. Second annual, well, maybe third annual. Uh, Is annual a word? Yeah! Third annual Blinky uh, Awards. This time specifically for the uh, season two of Classic Doctor Who. Uh, we are, of course, Cultural Historians, your hosts for the evening. Uh, I'm Ryan Ritter. That's Jimmy McCain. Jimmy, how you feeling tonight? I'm doing pretty well. How about you? Doing great. You know, uh, got some. If I feel so inclined, engineer, engineering-wise, perhaps I'll just award music playing under us right now. <laughs> and everyone's settling in their seats. I have the envelopes here. Um, for those of us who, uh, for those of us, for those of you, you, the dear listener, of course, uh, if you've been following along with us uh, up to this point, uh, you basically know the deal. We've reached the end of our coverage of the second season of Classic Doctor Who. And it's time to give out some superlatives and we'll talk about some of the high. We did this for uh, season one. It was a lot of fun. We did that for our wrap up of the materials before the Blinkies Award finally happened. But, you know. You know, the uh, Oscars weren't always called the Oscars, right? So, uh, you know, these things evolve as we go. And uh, that's the story of that. Uh, is there a category we want to start with, Jimmy? Hmm. We got, some big, we got some big ones. We have some small ones. Let's start off with a big one. Ooh. Uh, and then go to some small ones and big again. I like it. Well... It's probably the lengthiest one, but it might serve as a good real retrospective of the season. Do we want to start with favorite moment from each serial? Uh, yeah, I think that's a good idea. Perfect. Uh, just to, well, we're going to go in order here, um, which brings us, of course, to the Planet of the Giants. Right. Uh, did you have? Did you want to go first on this one? Yeah, let me open up my envelope here. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a. Uh, <laughs> This one's going to come back around uh, in another category. Um, I won't say which. Uh, say what you want about the uh, special effects in this um, <laughs> serial. But um, <laughs> it is probably, the, you know, the moment I'm thinking of specifically is the moment of, uh, you know, trying to show the, uh, the, the size of the cat, I believe. Uh, <laughs> which is a superimposed picture of a cat at normal scale. And then our characters uh, uh, shrunk down. And, uh, you know... A special effect, wonderful. No, not necessarily, but it's very unique. And probably the thing that uh, jumps to mind the most when I think about um, this run of episodes. So I'm going with the big giant, uh, big giant cat. Oh wow! Uh, I did not see that coming. Though <laughs> um, so I, might... I didn't remember a lot about this one. So yeah, I think that's part of it. It's pretty yeah. low key. It is. It is. I was going to say that might say a lot about the serial that uh, the most memorable thing is the terrible superimposed picture of a cat. Um, well, you put it that way. Uh, but my favorite moment from the serial was there was a, a scene between Ian and Barbara, you know, when they got separated from the doctor and Susan, where they just kind of sat down and took a second to reflect 
on how crazy their lives are with the doctor. And like, you know, kind of this moment where Barbara can't even believe that they were, they were shrunk down to the size of an ant. And I, I thought that was a wonderful little scene between the two. And that's, that's what ends up being my favorite parts of the, that serial. Well, you know, uh, that's a great answer. Um, perhaps it should have been both of our answers, but you know, <laughs> I, 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 I count up the votes how they showed up. I don't, you know, you know, we have a whole accounting team that does all this for us. They, you know, we submit our ballots, they tally everything up, and this is these are what the results are. So, you know, yeah. but what are numbers, the numbers don't lie, right? right? That's right. Uh, that brings us to uh, the Dalek invasion of Earth. And why don't you start this one? Well, well, there's uh, for this one there was just so many. There was a lot of good moments to choose from, but I, I was I was kind of forced to go with the the most iconic, the most memorable, uh, the Doctor's final speech to Susan, telling like when he walks out of the TARDIS and says goodbye. It's just. I don't know. I think it's just such a perfect scene, and it's one of my favorite scenes of the show. And I just, I, I like it so much. It's got to be my favorite of that serial too. Well, you know, when you're right, you're right. Uh, I I chose the exact same moment. Uh, kind of a remarkable moment. Obviously, uh, William Hartnell plays it uh, perfectly. Uh, just the right amount of tenderness and uh, a surprising amount of tenderness and warmth, uh, considering. Uh, you know the first doctor's normal kind of kind of grumpy characterization but the mo the moment kind of made it made a lot out of something that it made a moment bigger than it even deserved susan is a character that was a little troubled um never never quite found her uh footing in the uh bigger picture of the show after having a pilot episode that was essentially centered around her to, to some degree so i can see her exit being kind of a whimper but this this scene this moment is perfectly written perfectly played um that it really did make something it kind of pulled something out of uh, out of nothing and for that gets my nod as well yeah and i and i will say i think um i do think caroline ford and william Hartnell added stuff to the portrayals of the characters that maybe I don't know if I want to say elevated the scripts, but at least you bought their relationship, even though they weren't getting Susan anything interesting to do. Yeah, I think that's fair. You always, you know, her her run may have been a net failure in the grand scheme of things, but it was never her fault. Right. Um, it's just one of those kind of growing pain moments that happen sometimes, um, which may tie in nicely to... Um, my moment for the next serial, the two part, the rescue. And um, this is kind of a, this isn't like a specific scene. I, I kind of went with a symbolic moment uh, for the rescue. Mm. And that's uh, Vicky first appearing on screen in a new era of Doctor Who beginning. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Um, I think Vicky just had this, um, I don't know if it was intentional, but, and I didn't go back and watch it again to see if it hit me the same way. But the, I just remember her coming on screen with such energy. It almost felt like the show was actively saying, "Like, here's kind of a here's kind of a new character in the mold of Susan, but different." And uh, it's almost like we're trying again to see if we can do this kind of character, but um, with the lessons we've learned. And I, 
you know, there's not again not a whole lot of meat on the bones for the rescue. It's a it's a great two parter, um, but as a result, there's it's a pretty it's pretty straightforward. Um, so I went with a more symbolic, bigger picture moment um, for my favorite moment of the of the serial. Uh, what did you go with? Uh, well, so I went with the end uh, where the doctor confronts the villain Coquillian, uh, who of course is just a guy in a ceremonial mask. Uh, but yes. I. I thought that was a great moment in the sense of you, you know, you have the doctor kind of taking charge in that situation. Um, you know, you just went off and you found him, and it's a great, it's a great piece of William Hartnell just talking down this dude and getting getting into a fight with him. And it's kind of it's kind of like, you know, I feel like this is a serial where the doctor kind of starts becoming the main character of his own show. And I think I think this this scene between him and Coquillian was a big part of that. Yeah, a great moment. Interesting. We kind of both pinpointed like the beginning and the end, kind of yeah. for this kind of forty-five minute block. Um, we have a really we have a really really great one coming up here. The uh, the Romans. This was their trip to uh, to Rome and uh, hanging out with Emperor Nero. <laughs> uh, Lots of lots of moments to choose from here, and I'm curious to know where you landed here. Well, um, lots of moments to choose from, but my favorite, and I think just because I think this is quintessential William Hartnell Doctor, uh, you know, because the whole the whole serial he's pretending to be this musician, he's not, and he can't play the lute, but he's supposed to be the same lute player, and so he keeps like trying to put off playing the lute, uh, but at a certain point he's got to play it. And so he does a Emperor's No Clothes move where he just goes up and pretends to play, but that tells him only only the very sensitive hearing, like, like only people who can really be in tune with the music can actually hear him play. And so he goes up and plays nothing, and everyone cheers as though he's a great music, music artist. Uh, once again, we are, uh, we are simpatico, my friend. I picked the same moment. Uh, again, kind of a... Uh, this, this this whole serial uh, was fun. This 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 plotline specifically of uh, the doctor kind of getting backed into something that he obviously can't BS his way through forever, and yet he does. And that's kind of it's the fun. It was fun to see him getting kicked back into this corner that he willfully puts himself in. Um, <laughs> you know, well, yeah. his whole plan is just to be like, oh yeah, I can totally play. Uh, I believe it's the liar. Was it the liar? What I say, the loot. Uh, you're right. I mean, it is a liar. You're making a liar out of me. Oh man, yeah, I like that. That's good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, he kind of his whole plan here is when he assumes this musician's identity. He's just like, oh yeah, I'm definitely a musician. I'm gonna play this liar like you've never heard before. <laughs> and as a as an audience member, you're like, you know, I'm pretty sure he's not gonna get killed over this. But I really don't know at what point. <laughs> Because the show is established at this point. Not all BS plans are created equal. Sometimes they get away with it, and sometimes they're busted immediately. And it was kind of hard <laughs> to know which direction this was going to go. And do you get to this scene where he does, as you mentioned, the Emperor no, <laughs> has no clothes move? And that was thrilling. It was fun to see him blast his way out of the, uh, you know, out of, at the aforementioned corner <laughs> in a way you weren't <laughs> expecting. And a, good, and a good comedy moment for William Hartnell. Uh, something he didn't get to do all that often on the show. 
but yeah, and I, but I agree. That's a good point. Yeah, I, I feel like they this season in particular allowed him a bit more range for the character and his performance. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that brings us to uh, maybe a l- less successful serial. Uh, I don't want to play our hand too much into uh, future categories, but uh, <laughs> the, the web, <clears throat> the, the the web planet. This was the. Uh, yeah, this is the, the the bumblebee guys and the ant guys. I know that's not or butterflies. Uh, the Menasha and the Darby, Ryan. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yep, you're right. I'm looking at the. Uh, I'm looking at my envelopes, and you're right. It's right there. I, my, my apologies. Um, yeah, my uh, am I up first here? I guess I am. Yeah, you're up first. Um, yeah. Uh, not not as many moments to choose from here as there were in the <laughs> Romans, but um. I kind of, I went with, uh, there was one cliffhanger moment that I thought um, worked really well, and that was the end of episode five, I believe. Uh, That's where the Doctor and Vicky kind of get, and, you know, there's this, um, you know, the Monoptra or the Zarbi, I think it's the Zarbi. The Zarbi had this uh, kind of this um, gluish kind of webbing, kind of binding agent that they used as kind of like a weapon. And the doctor and Vicky kind of get covered in it uh, through, um, you know, one of their uh, plans of action kind of lands them into danger and they get covered in like this webbing and uh, the cliffhanger is pretty quiet and it kind of just lingers on them kind of covered in this, you know, they're kind of huddled together. It makes for a pretty creepy moment in a, in a seri- serial series of episodes that didn't quite have a whole lot of memorable moments. That, that one stood out to me. Yeah, uh, that's that's a good one. That's not mine uh, because, as you've alluded to, some episodes, some serials, there's a lot of to choose from. Some there's even if there's a lot to choose from, there's one that really stands out as as the best. And then there's some you have to really think hard to find. Uh, two kind of stuck out to me when I went back. One because it was so bad, and one because I legitimately liked it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, the really bad one was that, you know, of course, there's a whole build up to the new Monopsha fleet coming to try to drive back the Zarbi and the Animus so they can take over their planet. And of course, uh, the doctor accidentally gives away where, where, that, where that's happening. What was it in the Crater of Needles or something like that? Um, Ooh, yeah, that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, to the Pit of Needles or the Crater of Needles. Yeah, I should look it up. I don't quite remember, but something like that. And and so then you see the the monopsis coming and the Zarbi are, and it's like they're like building up this epic battle, but then they they make the mistake of showing it, and it's it's just like a guy in strings flowing this way and a guy in an ant costume going that way, and then it's it just like it just completely falls flat on what what was being built up, and it was just it was just organized terrible looking chaos. Um, <laughs> that's a, that's a very charitable description, <laughs> but uh, nonetheless accurate. Right. But so that's that's the most memorable part to me. But I guess when I when I went back and tried to think again, one part I really did generally like about that serial was the conversations between the Doctor and the Animus, where the Doctor was trying to out outwit the Animus and 
you know, the animus was still uh, sometimes catching them, sometimes not. And I did, I did enjoy those confrontations between the two. Yeah. Um, those are both, those are both uh, good options in their own way. Uh, you know, not, not, not that we're here to relitigate the uh, web planet real quick, but um, I do think if they had played up those moments more uh, between the doctor and the animus and um, cause it felt like the whole series was uh, leading up to this battle of wits between the two. And that's not what happened. We got the first moment instead. And that's probably why ultimately it kind of fell flat. Um, but you're right. Um, those were his moments of strength where those it's kind of like the doctor tries to BS the animus. Sometimes it would catch him, sometimes it wouldn't. And uh, yeah, that was legitimately exciting. And if you had gotten more of that, um, it'd probably be a stronger serial overall. Uh, speaking of uh, strong serials, we have the... Uh, uh, the Crusade, uh, a, little, a little bit better of an outing, although hard to um, hard to judge. It doesn't stick in the mind as much due to its um, missing a couple episodes. Um, right. Our only incomplete serial of this season. Uh, a luxury, as I understand it, is uh, that we're, we're we're going to lose here soon. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, I'll talk about how many missing serials there are next. Oh boy. Uh, next at the end of at the end of the episode, but yep. it's kind of get season three tease, I guess. <laughs> yeah, get used to it now. Uh, I went with, you know, there was a great moment of triumph for a character that uh, every character on the show, uh, by and large, uh, 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 swam more than they sank. But um, Ian kind of had a rough go of it. Uh, when you look back and check the check the game tape uh, early on in this <laughs> season. He did. He did. He kind of kept finding. You mentioned this um, in the first couple episodes of this run of the uh, pop culture historian episodes. Uh, he kind of kept finding himself in places that he shouldn't have been that immediately get like pulled off. You know what I mean? Like he, you know, mm-hmm. he hides in places that immediately become infiltrated or taken away. He just keep. So it was nice to see him finally declare himself at the end of this uh, uh, as the knight. You know, the knight that he is. Uh, the knight of knight Jaffa, of, yeah. Yeah, Sir Ian of Jaffa. That was a nice little moment of triumph, and I kind of felt like it got him back on track. Um, so that was my moment. That was that was a good moment. I think the reason I didn't think of that moment, in part, was because it's missing, right? We, we kind of, we more heard the moment than saw it, which is really unfortunate. Because yeah. it was, it did seem like a really great moment, and I, I think Ian being a, a literal knight is just perfect for his character. And it sets um, up a nice, it sets up, you know, in the reconstruction, um, he sets up like a nice little framing device with uh, William Russell, where he gets to talk about, you ever know that I was knighted? He's talking to us, you see. And, uh, right. We didn't talk about this because I, I didn't show you, because I was worried it would be like a spoiler that he'd be leaving soon or something. Uh, but I guess now is as good of a time as, as any. Yeah. In the DVD, when they came out with it on DVD, they kind of lumped all these orphaned episodes and like kind of a one DVD collection, but like, but like you mentioned, uh, they, they got William Russell to film a framing device where he's talking to the audience as though they're old friends. And he's like, well, you wouldn't believe the things I've seen. Can you believe I was a knight and stuff like that? Yeah, it was. Yeah, uh, stuff like great. that is, I like goofy stuff like that. I mean, they did that with Marco Polo too. They got back the guy. Mm-hmm played Marco Polo to like write about his adventures with these uh this odd crew and uh, it's all very silly and slightly kind of Ren Farish but but I like it it's, in this it's charming show. Yeah. yeah 
exactly. Um, so I'm sorry. I, I, I didn't let you uh, mention what your moment was. Well, my moment was, well, you went first. It's fine. Uh, my moment was, I, I love the stuff of Richard and Joanna in this serial, and I love the culmination of it towards the end of the third episode when Joanna finds out Richard's plan to have her married to Saladin's brother. And they have this huge confrontation and it's well-written, it's well-acted. I, I think it's a, just a great theme of drama and television. Yeah, whenever the show can kind of um, play into the kind of the, I don't know how else to say it, because they're going for Shakespearean, but what it kind of is, is almost like classic British television storytelling tradition. Um, it, it's, a, it's a vein the show doesn't always get to tap, but with, you know, being in space half the time. But uh, whenever they're able to get a couple of, you know, British ringers to play, you know, in their guest cast, all of a sudden the show kind of ele- elevates just a little bit. That's a great choice. So that leads us to uh, the Space Museum. Kind of an interesting um, uh, serial uh, title, self-explanatory. They're in a museum in space uh, where where our characters are, of course, on display. Uh, What was your moment? My moment was the end of that first episode where, you know, because the whole thing's been walkie, what's going on, and then they see themselves, they see the TARDIS first, where it's not supposed to be, and they see themselves dead and on display in the space museum, and it's this haunting moment, and then suddenly everything, like, they disappear, and everything disappears, and Hartnell, or the first doctor says, we've arrived, and it's, you know, because they had some BS about jumping time track and stuff like that. And so it, I just thought that was a great just scene at the end of the episode to set up well, well in my opinion, was kind of a disappointment follow-up. But nonetheless, it was a great setup. Yeah, episode one of the Space Museum kind of stood head and shoulders above the rest of the uh, its four-part run. Uh, and I came very close to picking this moment for a couple of categories. Um, didn't make it for this one. Uh, instead, I went with a, a more lighthearted moment in the following episode. <laughs> and this is, of course... Oh, episode. yeah, okay. I know what you're going to pick, but yeah, go on. Yeah, it's, it's established that uh, you know one, one of the little cheekier moments and kind of the nod to the show's uh, limited history at this point, uh, there is, of course, a, a Dalek, that, you know, or at least like the shell of a Dalek. There's nothing in it inside of it um, you know, on display in the museum. And uh, there is a moment where the doctor uh, <laughs> hides away in this uh, <laughs> this Dalek shell, and it's uh, it is um, the, the reveal is perfect. Um, you know, his his captors run off and go like, "Where where is this guy?" And the camera pans to the Dalek, and then he starts moving the plunger and doing the Dalek <laughs> voice like this. And he pops up, he pops up the uh, the top of the shell, and there he is. Um, Again, uh, if you haven't noticed, I really do gravitate towards his moments of comedy from the guy. Because um, that's something, that, you know, I think I've become very sympathetic to him through some of the special features we've been watching because uh, he always wanted to be kind of more of a comedic actor and he had like that kind of training and the chops for it, but he kind of always got cast in these kind of, uh, not necessarily authoritarian roles, but, uh, you know, leader of men type and... Um, never quite got to do that as much as you wanted to. And so seeing these moments, uh, eh, it's, it's nice to see. Yeah. Well, I'm, I mean, it's iconic. It's one of the, I mean, I didn't, I didn't pick it for this one, but 
it's one of the most memorable moments of the of the first Doctor, him just hiding in a doll, like it's perfect. Yep. Just describing it puts a smile on my face. <laughs> um, that brings us to the chase. Um, oh gosh, there's so many, there's almost too many moments to count here. Um, <laughs> a couple of contenders was the reveal of the <laughs> Count Dracula and Frankenstein. And I, <laughs> I came very close to uh, putting the the, re- the reveal that they were they've been on the Mary Celeste that came very close, hmm. but there's no other option. It's it's Ian and Barbara's final scene. Um, yeah, a nice send off. I I I, 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 I picked the same certain, thing. Yeah, yeah, I'm certain you picked that. Yeah, we can, yeah, let's have a little moment to talk about them, and they may come up again before we're done here. But uh, again, as we mentioned on the actual chase episode, um, kind of the opposite send off for uh uh susan which is played very sweet and you know inc- kind of encouraged and even driven by the doctor here's the opposite the doctor's very angry with them at first. <laughs> yes. and he refuses to help them and yeah you know you're right it's, it's the exact opposite and well you know the when susan leaves it kind of ends on a somber note uh where right. because you know she's happy to have a, you know, it's a scary note for her because she's starting a new life without her, her grandfather. And, you know, the doctor sad to see her go that he had to force her out. Whereas here, you know, Barbara are finally getting what they wanted. They're back home. And it's a happy moment. And even the doctor who was mad about it is still, you know, he still is watching them on the view screen and happy that they're happy and made it back. Yeah. And we get this beautiful moment of them being in more or less modern day London with this beautiful series of uh, telesnaps, if you will, uh, that kind of um, <laughs> uh, you know, kind of show them just uh, living life again um, after years of uh, insane adventures. <laughs> it was uh, it was an interesting choice, and I don't think it was an obvious choice to to do it via photos instead of just like a scene of them just like hugging and being happy like like to kind of i don't know i I felt like i felt like it was the right choice yeah i think that's a great way of putting it it wasn't the obvious choice um because for some reason i think doing them as a series of photographs almost feels like now we're looking back i mean this is not this was not the intended effect because it was 1965 on the show it was 1965 when it aired but kind of now in 2021 it's almost like you're going through like family photos a little bit which adds yeah. an extra layer of like whimsy and kind of you know, longing. Yeah, it was it was an interesting. It was an interesting and great creative choice, and I'm glad that they I'm glad that they stuck with it. Absolutely. Uh, which leads us with just one more. Well, two more, I guess. Um, yeah, I two yeah, more. Yeah. Yeah, let's let's do one for the the movie as well. Fantastic. Uh, I, I suspect we'll have the same one for this one too. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, okay. Maybe I'm mistaken. Maybe not. <laughs> no, I'm well, I, I, well, I struggle with this one a little bit because there's a there's a different there's a couple different ways this one could have been. Uh, there's a couple different ways I could have gone with this. Uh, this being the time meddler, um, the final series, final serial rather. Uh, the moment that stuck out to me. Wait, no, you're going. Wait, you're going first. I'm going first. Okay. You tell me what stuck out to you. Well, uh, the episode three cliffhanger where Stephen and Vicky uh, 
go into the Tarkovskis to realize it's actually another TARDIS, that the meddling monk has his own TARDIS. Yeah, uh, uh, same here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. One of those oh, game-changing yeah. moments. <laughs> right, yeah, it was just, it was just such a great twist. Yeah, uh, and, again, um, kind of it redefines the scope of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and just from an individual serial standpoint, it was, it was great because it was really well set up, but in a way that it, I feel like it was also really difficult to predict. Looking back, a lot of the signs were there, but we didn't know, to, you know, at least I certainly didn't know to look for that yet because I didn't know that the show was kind of thinking that in that way. Right. And I think sometimes revealing there's a second or multiple versions of something that can almost be an unsatisfying twist. Um, the two, the two, well, they're not really modern examples anymore, but the two that always stick with me when I, I think of um, the revelation on uh, Heroes, <laughs> season three of Heroes, uh, the Ali Larder's character and multiple versions of her. That was very, uh, that was deeply oh, unsatisfying. That, that made me angry because I really didn't like her character in the show. And <laughs> personally didn't like her performance on the show. Mm-hmm. So when she died in season two, I'm like, okay, well, we're done with her. And then they not only did they bring her back in season three, but there was like more than just two versions of her. There were like a bunch of different versions of her. Like we're never getting rid of this character. I went, I, I went through the same, uh, I went through the same arc you did. I was like, thank <laughs> God we're done. I mean, no disrespect to Allie Larder. Um, she just wasn't, she didn't do anything for me on that show. And then they brought her back times seven. <laughs> and then the other example is, of course, uh, I guess spoilers for a, 15 year old show at this point but um the revelation there's a second island on lost which isn't as bad but i think the way it was revealed felt was a little unsatisfying at the moment ends up being kind of important later on but um, i remember going like oh i see (laughs) i I think sometimes lost wanted everything to seem shocking when they're being on a small little island next to the bigger island isn't that shocking of a twist it feels like it would have come up at some point but i mean the show's timeline was so compressed. I think they were only on the island for like two months when that came up. So I don't right. know. Um, but this was this was this is an example of that kind of done well um, because all the signs were there, but there was no reason for the characters to know it. There's no reasons for us to know it. But when you hear it, yeah, it makes perfect sense. How else was this guy time traveling around? He has a TARDIS. Right. Exactly. Yeah, and then kind of a bonus round here. Um, favorite moment from. Uh, Doctor Who, DR, DR Who, um, and the Daleks. Um, uh, I believe you're up first, Ryan. Yeah, well, for me, again, keeping it simple, going back to the basics, it was the uh, it was the reveal of the Daleks and Technicolor. Um, kind of probably the point of the movie. Uh, at the end of the day, it was intellectual. You know, the intellectual property at hand here was the Daleks, not necessarily the characters around them, which is kind of interesting when you put it that way. But uh, look. Um, mission accomplished on that front. The Daleks look great. They, I mean, they did. I agree. I agree. Um, my my favorite moment, and this is a, a very small moment, but maybe it's more due to kind of my disappointment with the movie. But I just like that very first, like the opening sequence and the first scene with the you know the barber reading a textbook, uh, Susan reading a textbook, and Doctor Who reading comics. I don't know. It just 
you know, it was like, oh, maybe we're getting something interesting and different here. And then the rest of the movie disappointed. But um, I, I like that opening sequence. Yeah. Until we meet Ian. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think one of our biggest complaints about it last week was its relative lack or uh, almost at the emphasis, but that really the lack of interest in characterization, really. They're trying to get to the good stuff as soon as possible, which is fine. But that opening sequence you mentioned, which is very simple and nonverbal, but it, it kind of indicated that had had they wanted to, there was a defter hand at kind of establishing character that could have worked in, in an efficient way. They just chose not to do it ever again, past that yeah. opening seconds. Mm-hmm. And that's a shame. It is. So that so that was favorite moment for me serial. Um, of those mm-hmm. favorite moments, what's your favorite moment of the whole season? Well, it has to be one of the ones we picked. It'd be very right. silly. <laughs> Pro- probably Barbara and Ian's last scene, if I had to be honest. Mm-hmm. That's the moment I'm going to yeah. walk away thinking about even po- probably past um, you know, the, the first Doctor's era. Mm-hmm. Um because it was just again, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't really dawn on me that they were going to leave, even though of course they're they were going to at some point. <laughs> and so I think it, you know that episode felt like if you wanted to stop watching Doctor Who at that point, I mean, that'd be kind of an odd thing to do uh, <laughs> as a modern day viewer. But you know, if you were watching it as like a young adult or whatever, and that was kind of, it could have served as a uh, you know jumping off point. If you were like, okay, I've gotten my fill of this show, this show have this kind of this closure feeling to it. Uh, you know, that's the point. I never thought about it like that, but yeah, it wouldn't. Of course, it does feel like a season finale, which is weird that it's not. But I agree, it does kind of feel like it could be a a series finale. It definitely, you know, we talked about when we talked about the chase. You know, Barbara kind of started out as the main character, and so you know, you, you could make an argument. You know, the show ended there and a new show picked up with the next serial. Yeah. A, ver- a very, very scary. similar show. A very, very similar show, but still nonetheless a new show. So that's the moment I, that's the moment I, when I look back on the season, that's kind of one of the main ones that jumped to the forefront. You know, the Doctor and the Dalek is a, it's a pretty fun one. And mm-hmm. a couple other things. There's a couple other moments that didn't even make the cut here, but are, are going to get mentioned later on. Uh, what about you? And it's got to be a speech to Susan for me. I just, I just love that speech so much. But we both, we both centered it on departures, which is interesting. Yeah. Well, when it makes sense because departures are memorable. You know, you, you, you come to care for these characters, and so you know, obviously, departure is going to be a big emotional theme for these characters. Which, you know, emotional themes aren't necessarily something. Well, I, how do I want to say this? Because that's not quite true. They don't, the show doesn't put our characters in these moments all that often. All right? They will sometimes for the guest characters, but for our main characters, oftentimes, you know, they, they'll go through an adventure, but it won't necessarily like cause them to have, have this huge moment like the two we're talking about here. And I think that's why they stick out so much to us. And it shows a, a commitment to. Even if, you know, it's an example of, um, you know, three characters left this season. Um, two of them were very clear 
uh, clearly John characters, one not so much, but they showed an equal commitment to giving them the best send off they can. They weren't Susan wasn't tossed aside. Uh, Ian and Barbara obviously were given uh, the kind of the ceremony that they deserve, and I think that 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 shows kind of a commitment to the characters that play. And I'd be curious to track this, but obviously there are many more departures to come, um, <laughs> big and small. I am aware of that at least. Um, and I don't know what I don't know how the show handles departures now, but I'm curious to see if they kind of continue this kind of let's give them a moment to say goodbye as we go forward. Um, I know they're not always going to have that opportunity and that kind of foresight, but it's just an interesting thing to track from here. For sure. And, you know, I think, I think like all, it changes throughout, right? I mean, I'll just, I'll just say that much. Like, um, you know, it, it, you know, Doctor is not a consistent show. Interesting. Uh, and so, yeah, there's going to be some times when you're like, really, that was it? And there'll be some times there'll be a great final scene. Could be kind of fun when we kind of get a few under our belt to start ranking um, goodbye moments. That's a, that's good. That's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we only have the two we, right now. We have right? the two, and I think we just gave our rankings, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, our own individual ones. Uh, right. Yeah, and the uh, second place, you know, uh, second place to me is not a bad place to be in. Um, they're both very strong. And, uh, yeah. Definitely memorable moments. Let's jump to, you know, we've been given a lot of sugar here. Let me give a little spice now. Um, <laughs> how about favorite bad special effect? Well, <clears throat> mine is something we've already brought up, Ryan. Uh-huh. Uh, in the Planet of Giants, the big cat in the background with little mini Ian in front of it. That just yeah. didn't do it for me. Uh, it was just such a goofy image, and the cat did not look threatening because it was just like a cat. It wasn't like hissing or anything. It was just the cat chilling, looking at Ian. Yeah, uh, I picked the same. Although looking back, I have to wonder if I should have gone with um, another choice I was having with um, some of the flying effects uh, on the <laughs> web, web planet. If I just only, think too, yeah. Yeah, if only to preserve my own self consistency. I just picked a moment for favorite moment of the serial and favorite bad special <laughs> effect. And you know, I don't have to justify myself to anybody. Oh, I, it's okay. I, I'm a member of nobody. I, I, this is except for the pop culture historians committee. That's the only one I I answer to. And, um, <laughs> so yeah, no, uh, I'm standing by it. All right, good, good. Yeah, no, it's a it's kind of a legendary no. moment. The cat does not look threatening at all. It doesn't really look that great. I, I will say, I think other than the web planet and this one. There weren't that many like terrible special effects. Um, I agree. Maybe like the tentacle in the chase uh, in the first episode, but it, it felt like compared to season one, they did a better job staying within their means. Yeah, I think you mentioned the web planet already, and some of the, some of the um, hard to qualify with the special effects, like the. the um, uh, what's the what's the giant uh, the animus? Uh, some of its tentacles didn't look that great, and some of the sets were a little vague to the point of it kind of being confusing where they were all the time. But I wouldn't call those special effects. I, I would call those more production values, and you know, mm. those are yeah. what they are. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, overall, much more successful than season one. I think you know, there's no. <laughs> 
there's no one getting tossed into a there's no dummies being tossed into bodies of water or anything <laughs> like that no unfortunately yeah maybe it makes for a less entertaining product on the whole no I just, <laughs> uh at least there's an eight here why don't we go about my account i could have i you may have more <laughs> uh why don't we do best and worst cliffhanger how does that sound all right uh, All right, so for my worst cliffhanger, or is it, or is it your turn? Uh, I don't remember. Ah, go. All right, so for my worst cliffhanger, it comes from a serial I really liked, uh, the Dalek Invasion of Earth. Towards the end of the fourth episode, when it's kind of clear they're stalling to make it six episodes, uh, they introduce the Slither, which is the Dalek's little pet hunter thing. I don't know. Uh, and of course, towards the end of the episode, the Slither starts hunting Ian, and he's like back up to a cliff. It's like, oh no, what's gonna happen? And uh, for me, it was just dumb. That was my that was my worst cliffhanger. Uh, excellent choice. Uh, I don't know that I represented the Slither on on here, uh, <laughs> which is a a moral failing on my part. Um, I went with because there's a there was never there weren't a lot that were like suddenly bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, as opposed to season one where there's a few where you're just like really <laughs> and even coming off of the superhero serials where there were, there were a lot <laughs> to choose from at all times um, I went with just one of the more dull ones where I almost felt like they just ha- they, reached a, they reached a stop and they had to come up with something um, my example of that uh, that came to mind is uh, I believe the third episode of the Space Museum where it's just Ian walking in and kind of reacting <laughs> predicament but you don't see what it is and right like, oh, you see, okay. yeah. just kind of felt like the camera ran out of film or something <laughs> it was time to move on yeah solid, solid choice i think oh thank you very much um uh some reason i i, I had predicted in my head you're gonna pick the episode one cliffhanger from the rescue uh where oh. like the doctor and ian were like kind of scaling the walls and like the spikes were coming out at ian you know, <laughs> that one crossed my mind, and um, the rescue was really interesting because it, that really, that one really did feel like if they had the the opportunity to just do like a forty five minute episode, they would have done it. It didn't need a, didn't need a, a breaking point in the middle at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would have been a strong choice too, but I just kind of forgot about it, uh, to be honest. <laughs> Which maybe maybe makes it a worse cliffhanger because I just totally left my memory. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, let's stay out of the negativity here. Let's go with best best cliffhanger now. Um, I guess I'll start. There were quite a few, actually. Um, the one that I thought was the most iconic was a moment we haven't actually talked about yet, and that would be the Dalek rising out of the water in episode one of the Dalek invasion of Earth. Uh, made all the more effective... As opposed to the kind of um, they kind of did like a parody of it a little bit in the chase, but um, the Daleks uh, parody. Daleks, I feel like the parody is the wrong word, but uh, uh, you know they kind of reference themselves visually. I that's, would argue that's more fair. Yeah, it's a, it was self-referential as opposed to satirical. But uh, you know the Daleks' involvement in that storyline was um, telegraphed well ahead of time. I mean, they appeared in the very end of the very end of the last serial. Uh, this one, 
if memory serves, I mean, outside of us knowing it was called, you know, the the six episodes were known collectively as the Dalek invasion of Earth. The first episode is not let on that they're coming back until this moment where it rises out of the water. And um, it's a very cool moment. And um, I imagine there's uh, many a British uh, lad and lass that were very uh, freaked out by this. Probably. That was my moment. It was hard for me to pick one. There's a couple I really liked, uh, and all of which we've now actually talked about. One of those was, that was one of the ones I was thinking. Uh, but you know, I think I think ultimately I settled on Vicky and Steven entering the TARDIS as my favorite cliffhanger. Uh, uh, solid choice. I mean, like we talked about before, it was a game changer. It was, it was a really cool moment seeing another TARDIS out there, um, and you know what can kind of you know, kind of recontextualized everything you had seen prior in that serial as well. Look, really, really solid choice. And there's a third option that got thrown out there that uh, I nearly picked. I'm going to guess you nearly picked that, of course, being the episode one cliffhanger for Space Museum. Yeah, that one also came to mind. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So let's see. We have... Let's... Let's move on to best guest star and best villain. All right. I don't know. They're not really. They're not really connected, but it's kind of the more. Uh, let's. Well, they're connected. Main ca- yeah, you're away from the main cast, and it's a, typically a single episode uh, villain. Yeah. Uh, uh, do Do you want to start with best villain or best guest star? Let's do best best guest star. So uh, I guess that's you first. Okay. I thought there were some really, really strong choices for this season as well. I think the prominence of the show after the successful first season and season two was also successful pretty much from the start. Uh, they were able to get some really good guest actors. Uh, but for me, the best one was Julian Glover in The Crusade as Richard Lionheart. Uh, I, you know, I thought he really did a great job in his portrayal. Um, and kind of bringing gravitas to, you know, because it can be difficult to come in. And even though Richard was a historical figure, I think people are still somewhat familiar with, it's still difficult to come in and be a guest character, guest actor on a, on a show and just completely shine and be as interesting as, as the main cast. And I thought he did that. And I thought I was just great in the crusade, even though even with two episodes missing, I was still captivated by his performance. I came very close to picking him myself. Uh, the only thing that, um, I think it's an interesting question. Um, the one thing that held me back, and I uh, made me go with the person that I would pick, and I'll open up my envelope here in a second, uh, see who it was. Um, <laughs> the only thing that held me back in picking Julian Glover, and he was fantastic, maybe, maybe like the best credential. Uh, guest star we've had so far. But half his performance has lost the time, at least visually. Uh, Audio-wise, it's all there. And that can be tough to evaluate. Um, And I think it kind of seems like you fell on the side of, I do have enough to evaluate. And, um, you know, what we saw was good enough. And that's totally fair. But I took this opportunity to highlight someone that we haven't gotten to highlight yet. And that Hmm. is... Derek Francis as Nero in the Romans. 
yeah, he, I, I thought about him too. Absolutely. He was great, but go on. Yeah. Um, I think the Romans is kind of known as one of the, uh, uh, more comedically minded serials. I almost said silly, but compared to something like the chase, it's, it's not that silly. <laughs> um, Farcical, maybe. Yeah. Yes. There's a, there's some slamming door farce elements to this at times. Not literally that, but there are elements of it. Um, and I think Derek Francis kind of sets the tone there. I don't think he shows up until episode two, if I may, my memory serves. Correct, yeah. But he has to have this, this boisterous, blustery, big performance in a way. I mean, a lot of a lot of villains in the past have been big. I think last year's winner, um, uh, the Toxel from uh, the, uh, the Aztecs, um, was also big in his own way. But uh, this was just like... This is the first kind of larger than life guy like we could have had. He, he's, and he's nuts, and he's not. He's you know, he's right, not a nice yeah. man. But he, he plays. Yeah, you know, he he goes full into like a deluded, crazy portrayal of Nero, and in a way that works for the serial. But yeah, I I, I agree. Um. Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. And it kind of set the tone for the episodes to follow and allowed the show to kind of flex a muscle that it hadn't really gone all into yet. It's certainly becoming more comfortable. Again, we meet Frankenstein and Dracula throughout the course of the season. <laughs> um, but uh, it, it was nice, especially after kind of a... Um, what did the Romans come uh, right after? The rescue. Um, you. The and rescue so, and then yeah, the giants and Dalek invasion of Earth, the rescue. So all pretty somber stories. Yep. And then here comes this big silly thing, and I, I think it showed that the show could do it, and uh, it's a new color for it to paint. And I think Derek Francis uh, kind of helped set the tone there, so he gets my nod. Yeah, I'd consider him too. I also considered Peter Butterworth for the meddling monk. Oh, absolutely. Because uh, he he made that role pretty memorable, but yeah, I still you know I stand by my picking him, Julian Glover. No, I'm glad you I'm glad you represented him because he deserves to uh, be mentioned on this episode. Um, he was fantastic. Uh, so so who who's the best for you? Yeah. Well, you just mentioned him. It was uh, the meddling monk. Um, you know, in a show where the um the vil- the villains. T- are typically, if they're human, they're historical figures. Um, I think I misspoke uh, a couple minutes earlier. This, this Latoxel was the winner of this uh, award last year, not best guest star. Was, uh, oh, you're right, star. you're right, you're right. Yeah, that's my bad. Um, uh, yeah, is, uh, they're either alien in nature or they're like historical figures, like Nero or, uh, you know, people like that. Um, and here we kind of get our first human-ish foil who does have, you know, undeterminate, perhaps alien qualities to him. But more to the point, he is a human being that is a, a good match for the doctor because they um, are, <laughs> they, 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 they come from the same neck of the woods and, uh, in the, in the, uh, you know, as the, as the crow flies over the universe, you know. Um, and that, that's something the show hadn't had before. And, um, it was a really, really interesting choice for villain of the, the last serial of the year, not an intentional choice. I think they're just, 
you know, they got to the last four episodes and they came up with this idea. They weren't like saving him for anything. But again, it kind of showed a different thing for the show to do. And for that, he gets my nod. Yeah, I picked I picked the same one. Um, nice. And I yeah, I, I think he was by far the way the best villain other than maybe the Daleks. I think that you could have considered the Daleks for this one. Yeah, the um, Daleks are almost their own category. Like Yeah. And and I think that's why I didn't pick the Daleks either, because they're like you said, they're their own category. They're kind of their own thing. And so when I'm picking memorable villains, I almost forget to think about the Daleks because they're so such a iconic part of Doctor Who. Yeah, they're ubiquitous. It's almost like they're almost like main characters to me. It's... Right. Um, but I'm still going to stick with the monk over the Daleks because I do think he was such a fascinating villain. Yeah, look. Uh, I'm, I, I certainly am not going to argue with that. Let's see. So that leaves us with Best and Worst Serial MVP. Okay, we have Best Serial, Worst Serial MVP, and Best Individual Episode. Do you want to do Individual Episode now? Yeah, perfect. Yeah. That would be you. So, so my best individual episode was the Space Museum, episode number one of the serial, the Space Museum. Uh, I, just, I just think this is a fantastic, fantastic episode of Doctor Who. And it's, you know, it, you know I think was, the Space Museum, unfortunately, couldn't follow up on the potential that the first episode brought. But to me, this was the best individual episode of the season. I picked the same one. The same <laughs> okay. One. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I didn't expect it to be such such a like mind on this one. Well, I think a lot of the season kind of speaks for itself. I think it helps that the season overall was stronger than season one. It's a show that's kind of finding its footing, even as uh, the, sh- the show has irrevocably changed from the first episode to the last. Um, there's only one character between those two <laughs> episodes. Um, right, and even even you're starting to get the behind the scenes changing too with Verity Lambert. She's not gone yet, but she's transitioning out. Yeah, and so it's. But the show yeah. is even its failures are not quite as profound. Like obviously, I think there's a well, we'll have selections for War Serial here shortly. But I think um, we're gonna get like mine for that one as well. But go I, on. I I think so too. <laughs> not to give too much away, but yeah, no episode one of the Space Museum is a near perfect episode of Doctor Who and you're right it is a shame that it doesn't follow up on its potential because I think you can almost hold this episode up as an example of like this is the best that classic Doctor Who has to offer it's a compelling mystery that's doled out in a logical way you know you learn it along with the characters you're not ahead of them (laughs) and uh, they're not ahead of you with knowledge that you you don't have which always feels Mm -hmm. unfair Right. Uh, you've already covered the magic of that cliffhanger and the reveal of them in the glass cases and them realizing they're on like a they slip through time streams. It just it gets into every little element that the show at its best can do. And maybe to some degree they never had a chance to follow up on that because how do you how do you top it? Um, but yeah, no, I, I think it's the Maybe it's because, maybe this is why we're like-minded on this. A lot of the best serials are good as a, as a whole. This is the only one that's like, it started off so good, and then the other episodes don't follow up. So the one individual episode stands out more, as opposed to 
what's the best episode of the Romans? They all kind of blend together as one big good episode to me. I, I see your point. I see your point. Uh, but yeah, no, look, the, the, the episode speaks for itself. I think this is a uh, well-deserved award. All right, so then worst serial, best serial MVP? I like it. All right. I, I say we just pull the Band-Aid off of worst serial. I, I, don't, I, I don't know that there are many options. Do, do, do I say it on, on, on the count of three? Yeah, sure. All right. One, one two, three. Web Planet. Web Planet. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if we need to justify this one anymore. It's just, it's the only serial that didn't work in this season, I think, at all. Like, even, even I would argue the plan of the Giants and the Space Museum are both kind of more in mediocrity than they are bad. Um, yeah, that's fair. That just only did not work at all. Yeah, I think that's fair. Planet of the Giants doesn't read to me as bad. It's, kind of unmemorable to the point that uh, you know the special effects as poor as they are is kind of what stood out to me but the story is solid um they made a good choice of i mean it wasn't an intentional creative choice i don't believe but shortening it from four to three was a really good call um and space museum has at least some merit but yeah the web plant just didn't work it had high hopes um i, I appreciated them trying to expand beyond the limits of what they thought they could do but yeah nothing about it really worked <laughs> that's kind of the long and the short of it um yeah i don't know that we need, i don't know that we need to go beyond it i think we explained it pretty well here i think we explained it pretty well in the uh, in, the, in our episode about it hmm. and, and i yeah. think it i think it speaks to, again to the quality of the season that there's really only one standout choice nothing else quite fit uh, a worst category to me. Um, I don't know if you felt differently. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely. I um, I felt the same way. Uh, right. I'm curious if we'll have the same best serial though. Well, I I, I kind of went back and forth on a couple. Um, to me, there were three real contenders for this. I don't know how many you had, but probably the same three. It came between the Dalek invasion of Earth, the Romans, and the chase to me. Oh, okay. Uh, so for me, the three was Dalek invasion of Earth, the Romans, and the time meddler. I, put, I, would put, I Personally, I would put the time meddler over the chase. I just really like that serial. Yeah. Uh, look, the time meddler is really good. That's a, a solid selection. Uh, I came very close to rewarding kind of the gonzo energy of the chase here, <laughs> but I didn't do it. Okay. I, I didn't want to seem like I was trolling or something. Um, I went with the Romans. Okay. That's what I went with, too. Yeah. I think it's... Dalek Invasion to Earth came very close uh, to me because it really did have, like, this... Kind of the opposite energy of the things that we I've been highlighting on my end. Uh, this one was very kind of morose and almost apocalyptic, and that was an interesting flavor for the show, too. It rarely goes that dire, and... Um, you know, you have that great scene where they're uh, running through, uh, you know, uh, wasn't Piccadilly Circus, um, was it? But, um, you know, the abandoned streets of London. Uh, but, uh, no, the Romans, you know, the Romans just took it from me. It was four solid episodes. Um, the comedy was well done. The character moments were great. 
great guest stars. What more could you ask for? Right. Yeah. Same. Same here. I think. I think. Um, I think. I think the length was a big part of why the Romans. You know, if the Romans were six episodes, it wouldn't be as good. You know, the, right. the 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 four episodes was perfect, and um, like you said, you have really good guest stars. And and, and one problem the Dalek invasion birth had is it, it 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 was one of the it was one of the ones that was perhaps a bit too ambitious for its budget and and staging. You know, it, it couldn't. And this was only a problem once or twice, but it couldn't quite uh, live up on screen to what it had in the script at, at certain moments. Mm-hmm. Um, that plus you did have, in my opinion, one episode where it was clear they were just stalling because they they needed another episode. Um, so that's I think that's why uh, I, I I picked the Roman over the Dalek Invasion of Earth. Um, it was it was just all around a little more solid, and I just. Like you said, it's had so many great character moments. I loved the doctor. You know, we talked about you know, my favorite moment uh, from that serial, the doctor pretending to play the liar. Uh, Vicky has got some great stuff to do. Uh, Ian and Barbara had some great scenes, I think, where they were just kind of hanging out. And, you know, I just, I, all around, it was, it was just really well done. And, and a serial that I think, you know, the glow of it kind of uh, permeated throughout other episodes. Like, I think it's later, it's later, it's in a later serial where um, they kind of put together that, like, hey, we were all in Rome, with, we we're all, like, uh, in Rome at the same time doing this, this, and this. And the, Yeah, and the, and the web planet, actually, uh, Barbara and Vicky talked about that. I think that's kind of fun, uh, kind of mm-hmm. tying, you know, kind of tying the storylines together throughout the individual the little arcs. Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well deserved Romans. Um, I had the Aztecs one last year, uh, I believe, and now the Romans. The historical historical serials kind of have a two zero advantage here overall. And I'll be curious to see if that ever changes. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. Which leads us to the final award of the night. Um, you know, uh, I want to thank all of our sponsors and all of our advertisers for uh, sticking with us tonight. Uh, <laughs> oh, none of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, MVP. Um, this goes to, uh, I think it speaks for themselves, the person we thought contributed the most to the success of the season. This was kind of a hard one to kind of define to me. You could, there's a diff, couple different roads you could take to come up with an answer to this. And I'm very curious to know who you picked. Uh, well, of course, so for the last season, I picked the Daleks, and you picked William Hartnell. Uh, because I just, you know, for me, there's no Doctor Who, you know, Doctor Who gets canceled and not for the dollar. And they were such a towering figure. For this season, I picked William Hartnell. Because to me, this is the season William Hartnell takes the reins of the show. You know, he's obviously a big part of season one. He did great in season one. But here, he's the only one left. And I think they were kind of getting that feeling throughout the season that he was going to be the only one left by the end. You know, Susan much early, you know, I think they could kind of tell that William Russell and, um, oh, what's her name? Uh, uh, Barbara. Um, uh, Jacqueline Hill, of course. Okay. Uh, William Russell and Jacqueline Hill, Hill were kind of on the way out. And so this is a season where, um, 
you know, the doctor became the main character, in my opinion. I think William Hartnell just took the reins and did a great job with it. And he had better range this season. You know, they let him do some comedy. They let him be warm to, to Vicky. They, you know, of course, he's still grumpy and angry at times. But you got the full range of, of the William, Held, William Hartnell doctor this season. And I thought he did a great job with it. Yeah. Also, I also feel like he's more confrontational. You, you know, he was willing to go and seek out villains and stop what was, you know, trying to outthink people. I mean, I just like that. I think he's great. Yeah, I think he, I think he really handled that transition that the show kind of inadvertently went through, where the title Doctor Who is not just necessarily the thing that kind of all binds the characters together, but truly is now the subject of the show. He's the last one we have. And, um, Look, he killed it. He was wonderful. He was not my—he was not my choice here. Interesting. Who'd you pick? See if you'll dive with this. Uh, is it possible for William Russell and Jacqueline Hill to be co-MVPs? I'll—I'll I'll allow it. I'll allow it. Yeah. Not so much for like anything specific that they did on screen, but sometimes. Sometimes in sports, you know, an MVP choice becomes clear when, like, they suffer an injury and they're out for a little while, and you kind of see how the the team changes a little bit mm-hmm. without them. Uh, 2005 in the NBA, uh, the MVP race was between Steve Nash and Shaq, and it was a pretty – it was a kind of a nose-to-nose race for a while, but they both kind of went out to injuries at one point, and the Heat, who Shaq played for at the time uh, – kind of went on as normal and the Suns kind of fell apart without Steve Nash at the helm. And so Steve Nash kind of ended up winning the uh, award. Now, does that mean that I think the show fell apart without Jacqueline Hill and William Russell? No, absolutely not. I think Peter Purvis and uh, Marine O'Brien are are wonderful in their respective positions, but the show, we lost our, essentially our initial main characters with them stepping aside. And that's a major shift. (laughs) The prospect of not having that, you get used to them kind of holding on to the ship. Um, Ian, Ian was kind of a natural leader, even if he was kind of messing up sometimes and, you know, ended up in, in <laughs> shrinking himself down and ended up in, like, you know, bags that get moved around. And uh, <laughs> Jacqueline Hill, you know, that's kind of the... <laughs> was kind of the heart of the show to some degree. She had, like, a real... No, she was. ...and warmth... And that's gone now. It will get replaced to some degree somewhere down the line. But I think the prospect of them not being on the show anymore really put into perspective what their presence brought onto the table, even if it wasn't always evident. Um, the DNA of the show has changed. And uh, for that, I think I'm uh, happy to give them uh, their... Uh, <laughs> their Blinky McQuaid uh, Memorial MVP trophy for them to both uh, hold up um, and split custody of. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's a really excellent point. That's a really good choice, I think. Uh, but yeah, uh, you know, there was not really a bad performance uh, across the board. You know, even Caroline Ford, Susan, you know, we've mentioned this before, Susan's character was kind of treading water, but she, she played it well. You know, uh, yeah. everyone everyone did really well. The whole show kind of fell into a groove this year, even as that groove kind of kept getting interrupted. And 
I'll be interested to see what happens in, in a few weeks or a couple months when we big, dig up uh, season three, uh, see if the show can kind of keep chugging along. Um, is there anything you want to prehash? I think you kind of uh, alluded to there, uh, there something. There is. But first, first, let's take a, take a uh, moment to, to reflect back on season two, which we've been doing this whole time. But uh, And you've yeah. kind of talked about this already, but, you know, what were some final thoughts you had about season two? And you may have already said this, but which one did you like better, season two or season one? To me, it's season two. Um, season two, I did like they they read to me as roughly, you know, in, in a broader sense, roughly even. Um, this all feels like one big giant era for the show, um, you know. Um, but I think season two was stronger. When you uh, break it down, kind of look at it. There weren't as many duds this year. I mean, obviously it had its it had its moments. Uh, Red Planet was not wonderful. Um, but you kind of look back on the list for season one, and it, you know it felt like there was a good half. You know, Keys and Marinus was not great. Um, the Sensorites. Uh, the sensorites were not wonderful. <laughs> and then there's there's some that were there was a lot that were just too long. The Daleks was too long. Marco Polo, in my opinion, was too long. The Reign of Terror was probably too long as well. I think that's an interesting thing too. I feel like we got more stories and they were shorter on the whole. There were a lot of seven parters. I don't think we had gosh, did we only have one seven parter this year? We did not have a single seven parter in uh in this season. Six was a max. We had three six parters with the Chase, Dolly Commission of Earth, and the Wed Planet. And I think they did a better job choosing what got the six parters. Like two Dalek serials. Daleks yeah. are a big deal. It makes sense you want to make those stories more epic. And while there was a little bit where they kind of strung it out too much, in general, those, those Dalek six parters earned their six episodes. Wed Planet, not so much. Uh, Planet, not so much. And interestingly enough, not a Dalek story. <laughs> And a dog story. And so, you know, there, we're still yet to see if, uh, you know, you get a good six-part story that doesn't involve the Daleks. Um, of course, I didn't think the Reign of Terror was necessarily bad, but it, it did, in some aspects of that, I don't think works. It had strong moments. I don't know if it all held mm. together as a whole. Like, again, Reign right. of Terror, like, its first episode is uh, kind of like the first episode of the Space Museum, a near-perfect episode to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just didn't quite live up to that. But, um, yeah, so I think there's just less bloat in general. The show moved along better. I think part of it is, of course, two major cast changes, which kind of kept things fresh. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, that's that's kind of where I fall down on that. Where do you where do you stand with season two as a whole? Yeah, I I, I do prefer season two to season one. Um, you know, uh, obviously season one had the the Aztecs in it, which I which I really loved and, you know, I really like Edge of Destruction, but in general, I think, yeah, season two is stronger. I really like Dog and Mage of Earth, the Romans, the Rescue, the Chase, the Time Meddler. These are some of my favorite first Doctor stories. And yeah, I think, I think it's also, you know, when you want to talk about important seasons of Doctor Who, you know, obviously season one's important because it establishes so much and is what, where the show became popular, but to me, season two is just as important, if not more important, than season one, because season two is where it maintained that popularity and, in fact, increased it, improved upon it, 
it's where it showed that the, the show could handle change, right? We're going to be getting, you know, obviously they had no idea at this point how long and how much change the show was going to go through. But nonetheless, I mean, it's, it's right there early on in the show's DNA that you're going to have a revolving cast of companions for the Doctor. And, and it, it stretched what the show could do into comedy and farce and whatever you want to call the chase, you know, ridiculousness. And, but it could also do like you talked about the post-apocalyptic story with the Daleks. And so it could do really melancholy and dreary to really farcical and funny to just ridiculous dogs who chase them in, in right. a haunted house. And for me, it all worked. Now, some people might argue some of that didn't work, but for me, it all worked. And so, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of season two. I really like it. Yeah, and I'm curious now to see, because again, now we, you know, I don't know what the, uh, what the downtime is between seasons two and three. Because, what, the show all off the air for like, what, a month between seasons? Month or, yeah, a month and a half, I think, is when, so they all got a little bit of a break, and they were right back at it. So season two and three uh, looks here like... They got a little bit longer than that. Let's see. Season three starts September eleventh, nineteen sixty-five. Season two ends. I did this backwards, but bear with me. <laughs> July twenty-fourth. So uh yeah, about the same. That's like six, seven weeks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious to see, you know, with that kind of four episodes of uh Steven and Vicky as the companions, uh, if there's gonna be any sort of reevaluation and kind of rejiggering with their personalities a little Hi. bit just to kind of make it more part of a whole not that they were not that they stood out but you know sometimes when you when you have a a few weeks to uh really kind of sit back and uh, reevaluate i wonder if there's going to be any adjustments made mm. that's all uh yeah no it'll it'll be interesting to talk about that when we get to it so yeah this is where 60s doctor who gets a little bit difficult we have depending on how you count 10 serials next in season three. Depending, again, depending on how you count it, I'll, I'll clarify that comment when we get to uh, the counting discrepancy between fans. Okay. Of those 10 serials, three exist in full form. Jeez. Uh, yeah, and so it's going to be, and of the, of the ones that don't exist, let's see, let me count. One... Two, three, four, five of them are completely missing. Hmm. And only one of the, only one serial from season three has been animated. And it's the first one. Oh, it's Gal- okay. Galaxy 4. The first one is the most recent animation as of the recording of this podcast. Nice. It's Came like out a couple knew- of weeks ago. They knew we were coming. I knew we were coming. So here is, oh, wait, no, I, I counted this as one of the ones that's completely missing. There is one, so sorry, only four of them are completely missing. So for Galaxy 4, four episodes long, they animated all four episodes, even though the third episode still remains. It has been found. Oh, okay. So, so you have your choice. You can watch it. You have three, three choices, kind of. All right. You can watch it all and all four episodes animated in color. You can watch all four episodes animated in black and white. Or you can watch 
three episodes animated and then just watch the third episode as it was, you know, as a broadcast. My brain has found a reason, has found a pro for each one of those scenarios. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and so, you know, we'll we'll choose what we want to do. But this is not the next thing, and you can choose what you want to do, obviously, viewer, but this is not the next thing we'll be doing, is it, Ryan? No, it's not. Uh, You know... We all had our fun here, uh, here in the UK with our our British friends running around and uh, hanging out with Nero and, and Richard Lionhearted. I think it's time to come back to American soil. And uh, well, I, we'll be starting around around the same time, uh, you know, same time period that we leave off here. Uh, it's time to redig up our, uh, our, uh, our our salutes to the history of superhero movies. Um, we did leave off. Uh, Finally, finishing up our uh, our tribute to the superhero serial, uh, where the, uh, the the big screen format for superheroes kind of lay dormant for a while, kind of becoming the domain of uh, TV and children's cartoons and stuff. And all that stuff's great. That's not what we're here to talk about. Uh, but the popularity of one of the last serials and kind of a kitschy popularity, uh, kind of you know irony laden popularity of one of the last serials we did, uh, 1949s. Batman uh, kind of spawned uh, a series, a uh, very famous, popular series that also begat its own movie spinoff, and that's where we're going to be picking uh, everything back up with 1966 Batman, starring Adam West and uh, Burt Ward and a whole cadre of other people, and we're going to be kind of tracing again. This is a you know, digging into any genre uh, can lead you down a hundred different um, paths. It could be fun every episode to talk about and do a little tribute to the movies we won't be talking about, uh, <laughs> because there's a lot of there's a lot of exploitation like kind of trash stuff that uh, are either hard to track down or just maybe not enough meat on the bones. So we're kind of sticking to the big stuff here, uh, but we're going to be tracing that all the way through uh, the next. Um, we'll be finishing up with the 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 the, the following Batman movie. Which, believe it or not, it would be another 23 years before he ever showed up on the screen again. That'd be the Tim Burton's 1989 Batman. So uh, we'll be beginning and ending with two Batman movies. And uh, in the middle will be a whole bunch of goofy stuff. Um, <laughs> some big. There's a, more than one Superman movie. Uh, there's, <laughs> this, uh, there's it from Swamp Thing. <laughs> yeah, it should be a good time. Uh, some stuff I've seen... It's been a while since I've seen some stuff I've never seen. And uh, I suspect it'll be the same for you. Um, Absolutely. So that's what we'll be doing. And then uh, I think as of this recording, we will still be switching off the, uh, you know, we won't have simultaneous feeds. So uh, Dr. Who, the TARDIS will remain closed for a little while, but um, he'll be back again uh, <laughs> with Galaxy 4. Um, either in animated form or, uh, well, I guess black and white color or somewhere in between. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Sure. so that's what, uh, that's the end of the uh, third annual Blinkies. Uh, there'll be a Blinkies at the end of, uh, you know, the, the, uh, after 1989's Batman movie, we'll be doing a little bit of a, uh, awards wrap up for that uh, as well. Um, yeah, other than that, that's the end of uh, that's the end of this episode. We've reached we've reached the end. Uh, the balcony's closed. 
ushers are starting to, uh, you know, to, to start to escort people out. Uh, the valet is starting to pull the cars around. So it's probably time for us to go as well. Uh, if you like what you heard, everybody, um, rate and review us. Uh, subscribe if that's something that you uh, wish to do. Um, be awfully kind. But uh, we'd understand if you didn't. Um, that's it. Next week or uh, somewhere thereabouts. 1966 Batman. Uh, Jimmy, anything, any, any closing words? Um, no, I don't have any. Yeah, well, sure. yeah. Hopefully you'll join us in the superior serials. If not, we will be, like Grant said, coming back to season three when we're done watching a couple of those superhero movies. Yep, absolutely. All right, man. Uh, that's it for us. I'm Ryan Ritter. That's Jimmy McShane. We are the Pop Culture Historians saying so long for another week. Goodbye. Goodbye.